What's going on, muchachos? What's happening, compadres? We are back uh, doing our Sunni Poly Bible study. So I texted most of you. Um, so whoever's listening to this probably got a text, but the last few weeks have been very busy. Um, on Thursdays for me, or people have just maybe been leaving early for Thanksgiving, um, or it's just, I don't know. So we haven't been able to have it in a few weeks. So rather than uh, pushing this next part of the Bible study off until like, I don't know, oh, well, can't do it next week because that's Thanksgiving. So two weeks from now, because if we pushed it off like that, by the end of the year, we'd be only in like Romans 3 or something going super slow. So I'm just going to record this um, and then you guys can listen to it when you get the chance um, so we can be moving along at a decent pace through Romans. Um, so, uh, at that, I am going to pray and look at this passage. <clears throat> God, we thank you um, for who you are. God, we thank you that even though we're not uh, together right now, even though we're not having our Bible study right now, Lord, that uh, I can still look into your word, Lord, that we can hear from you. Um, that we can know you more, that we can love you and treasure you more, God, through your word, um, through your gospel. And Lord, I pray that this recording uh, would be profitable, that it would really speak into kids' hearts, our students' hearts here. Um, and I thank you for all that you are, Lord, and pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So, if I was with you guys, I would start by asking the question, so what did you guys get from last time we met? What did you guys get? What was it all about? What were we talking about? So I'll ask that and I'll answer it because ain't nobody around me right now to answer. So last week we looked at Romans chapter 1, verse 1 through 7, the beginning of Romans. And what we hit on was the gospel. The gospel. That was it. That was what we touched on. That's how Paul opened his letter. Uh, it's the most important thing in the world. It's the most important truth you could ever understand is what is the gospel. And Paul laid it out. We um, talked about this already. It's that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. Right? That's the story of the gospel. This guy named Jesus came to earth. He lived 33 years. He died on a cross. He rose again for your sins so that if you trust him, you'll go to heaven. But uh, a little more uh, deeper than that is that we rebelled against him in sin. Um, he created the world perfectly with no sin, with no suffering, with no hurt, no pain. Um, and we thought we knew better than God. And so we tried to take things into our own hands and it, that never really works out too well. And so we sinned, we fell, and because of that we didn't live up to God's standard. Um, and we needed a savior and Jesus came and he was not just our example, not just a great dude to look up to like oh he he had some great teachings man him and gandhi and buddha but no he was not only an example but our substitute because we couldn't live the life that god expects us to live so that's the good news that he died the death that we deserve to die he lived the life that we're supposed to live and he rose again and defeated sin and death and so by trusting in him, not trusting in ourselves, not trusting in how good of a person we are because we're not good, by trusting in him alone, in Jesus alone for salvation, as Lord, as God, as King, we have salvation. We have hope to be with God forever rather than 
suffering for eternity in hell. And so he talked, Paul talked about, I mentioned, I think it was seven, six or seven different um, truths about the gospel that he opened up with. The origin of the gospel is God. He said, set apart for the gospel of God. So it's God's gospel. He's the one who authored it. It's all from him. Second was the revelation of the gospel is the Bible. He said the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So the way that we have the gospel revealed to us is in the Bible, is in the pages of Scripture, so we can know the hope that we have. The, other, the next one, the third one, is the center of the gospel is Jesus Christ. The center of the good news of Christianity is not rules, it's not being a better person, but it's Jesus Christ, period. Because Paul says, the gospel of God concerning his son, and God's son is Jesus. Fourth was the reach of the gospel is to all the world. He said, for the sake of his name among all nations. So the gospel isn't just for America. It's not just for Europe, but it is for every country, every group of people, every people group, every race, every ethnicity um, is who the gospel is for, is who Jesus died to save, to bring into heaven. Fifth one, the purpose of the gospel is the obedience of faith. So w- what is the purpose? What is God trying to save us to? What are we trying to strive for? Paul says it's the obedience of faith. He said, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. And we talked about the fact that you can trust, like you can say, yeah, I love Jesus, man. He's awesome. Like I've been a Christian all my life. I grew up in church. I grew up in a Catholic church. But if you don't have obedience to back that up, like if you aren't actively obeying God, even trying to know what he says, what his rules are so that you can obey them, if there's no fruit of it, there's no root. If, if there's no obedience, you don't have faith because true faith in Jesus, it, uh, it works itself out in good works and doing good things and obeying God. Um, and f- lastly, the goal of the gospel is the glory of God's name. The goal of the gospel, the whole point of the gospel, of everything, of why you exist, of why Sunni Pali exists, of why Utica exists, of why every single thing exists, is the glory of God's name. Paul says, for the sake of his name among all the nations, this gospel is preached. And so everything boils down to God being glorified. And we talked about the painting, right? Like people looking at it like, eh, that's all right when you spent days working on it or an essay like your teacher's like "Eh, i've seen better it's like no it it should be praised or it should be appreciated for how much it's worth and glorifying god just means appreciating him enjoying him as as far as he's worth and he's infinitely valuable you can't appreciate him and enjoy him enough there's always more of god to enjoy and so the goal of this gospel the goal of getting saved and being born again and becoming a Christian is not a ticket out of hell. It's the opportunity to glorify God more and enjoy him more and know him deeply. So that was the beginning of Romans chapter one. That was verses one through seven, where Paul is hitting him right off the bat with the gospel, the reason why he can even write this letter. Um, And so we are now in Romans chapter one, verse eight, through 15 and i'm going to read that and 
you can read along. I don't know where you are if you're walking in the snow listening to this or sitting in your dorm room playing Call of Duty. Um, but if you have the opportunity, maybe whip open your Bible or your Bible on your phone. Read right along with me here. Romans 1, 8 through 15 says this. <clears throat> First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I might reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also, who are in Rome. Hmm. All right. So, so the uh, first seven verses were, were um, a little more distant, right? He's writing this letter here, and usually when you write a letter, you're like, hey, hey, what's up? How's it going, Joanne? Uh, I don't know. You talk to the person, right? But in the, in the first few letters, he was just talking about the gospel. Now he gets more personal. Now he's t actually talking about the Roman church, because remember... This letter is being written to an actual group of people, people in Rome who are Christians. And so now Paul is talking to them. And he starts out by talking about his relationship um, to the church in Rome. Now, at this time, of course, Rome is like the epicenter of the world. Like, that's where stuff's happening, bro. That's like New York City, LA. It's huge. Um, and in that culture, there are a lot of what uh, what would I guess would be called pagans or um, polytheists, people worshiping all sorts of gods like Venus, Neptune, Saturn. Um, so in the culture around these Christians, there's a lot of worshiping of tons of different gods. Um, at this time, Christians were actually called atheists, believe it or not. Like the, the Roman people looked at the Christians and they thought they were atheistic because they wouldn't worship all their gods. And so they sort of thought they just rejected gods altogether. But obviously that's not true. The Christians worshipped one God, the one true God, um, and Jesus Christ. And so in spite of this, in spite of all the opposition around them, um, in the future, there, after Paul wrote this, there would be a lot more opposition, like Nero um, torturing Christians in Rome. Uh, but in spite of all this, there were Roman Christians who remained faithful to Jesus among the culture around them, who was totally opposed to anything about Jesus Christ and the gospel. Um, so their faith in Jesus among a culture of people who rejected Jesus made them well known for faith in Jesus, right? Because Paul says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because... Why is Paul thankful for them? He says, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world, right? So wherever the faith was spreading, wherever Christianity was spreading, 
um, the Roman Christians were being talked about, right? Because people were like, wow, like these Roman Christians, they really are all about it, right? Like they, they really believe what they're saying. They really believe in Jesus Christ because there's people all around them who reject what they believe. And yet they don't cave into that pressure to be like the rest of the Romans. They're, they're following Christ. And so I want to introduce a term called practical atheism. Practical atheism. What practical atheism is, is basically living as if God is not real, no matter what you say or believe about him. Right? So it's, it's living. It's your actions. You're living as if God is not real. And that has nothing to do with what you say about God being real. Right? So you can say someone believes in God. Right? They say, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I believe in God. But they don't ever pray. They don't ever talk to God. They don't ever open up their Bible. They don't ever try to figure out how to obey God. But they say, yeah, I believe in God. I'm, you know, I'm going to heaven when I die. That's called practical atheism. Like that means you say you believe in God, but you don't live like there is any God. You just live like you're God. Like you choose what's right and wrong. And uh, you just have a ticket to heaven because you say you believe in God. Right. And so these Romans, they were not practical atheists. Right. They said God is real. They believed in Jesus Christ in their heart. And they lived like God is real. That's like what Paul was saying, the obedience of faith. They lived it out, right? It's not just a head knowledge, but it's a practical, tangible, manifest trust in God that shows itself in their actions. So, application um, for you, anyone listening, the two people who might be listening, me and my mother, my mother, excuse me, not my mother, I've been living with an Australian lately, so my accents might be a little off. But um, application here. Do you live like God is real? Okay. Do you live like God is real? Are there areas in your life um, that you can look at and say, I haven't really surrendered that to God, or I don't even think about what God thinks about that thing that I do or thing that I always say or way that I think? Do you live like God's real? Do you pray to God like he's real? First of all, do you even pray, right? Because if you don't pray, that's called practical atheism. Like you basically live like there's no God if you don't pray. But second, do you when you do pray, do you pray as if he's real? Like do you really believe that your prayers are actually going to change anything or that your prayers are being heard by the God of the universe who created you? and who's giving you breath in your lungs to even pray to begin with, and who has the power to um, make stuff happen. So, like, do you pray as if God is really real, that he's listening? Do you trust in him like he's real? Do you trust in his word? Do you open up your Bible and say, this is true? Like, imagine if, if like, God just appeared in the sky in an incredibly brilliant and beautiful, like, face shining everyone in the world could see it and he started talking we'd all be listening right like uh, if, if the lakers and celtics were playing basketball and suddenly god did that and i don't know he p- took off the top of the dome of their stadium they wouldn't keep playing basketball right lebron wouldn't keep dribbling he'd drop the ball he'd drop on his knees and look up to god 
right? If, if people were, I don't know, if people were working at their job, if people are talking in the street and just God showed up, everyone would stop what they're doing and look. And every word that he said, we would cling on to like, okay, I, I need to hear this. I, I want to do this, right? But we would be so quick to obey and listen to those words if he was like physically seen by us. But we often don't treat the Bible like this, right? That like, wow, I need to listen. I need to take in every single word that this book says. And I'm guilty of that myself. Like we're sinful. We don't get it so often, but we need to look at this book, at this Bible, as if it really is God in, the, in heaven speaking to us right now, because it is. That's what it is. So do you read your Bible like it's real, like God's real? Do you trust in God like he's real? Do you love Jesus like he died for you? Like, do, do you treasure the gospel like it's real, that he died for you, that he made a way into heaven? Do you spend more time living for other things rather than for God? These are all questions to consider, to look into your own heart and to be like, am I a practical atheist? Like, do I live like I'm an atheist? If, if I had no words to speak, like if I never talked for the rest of my life and I just lived, I kept living and acting the way I act, would anyone think that I'm a Christian, right? Like, or would people just think, ah, oh, he doesn't care much about God, so question to ask ourselves here because the Romans their faith was proclaimed in all the world I want to have a kind of faith like that moving on or else we will be here for three hours and this time you you can't sit down because you feel like you don't want to be rude you can just turn the podcast off hey so I got to get going here we go uh, moving on next verse for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So even though, so Paul doesn't really know these Romans. Um, he hasn't been there. Um, someone else started this church. So he doesn't know them, but he is zealously, he is fervently praying for them, right? He sees their faith. He's hearing about them. They're like world famous Christians. He sees that and it leads him to pray to God for them even more. He says, without ceasing or without stopping, I'm always mentioning you in my prayers when I pray to God, right? Um, and so that made me think of like, uh, you guys, I'm sure have heard the word, the words, yeah, dude, I'll pray for you, man. Oh, oh that's terrible. Oh, I'll pray for you. Thoughts and prayers, man. People tweeting like thoughts and prayers goes out to whatever. Um, you hear it like with shootings and stuff and tragedies, they say thoughts and prayers, um, which you know, I mean, listen, prayer is more powerful than anything in the world. And so, but the question is like, do they even pray when they say that, you know? So even I've done this before. Like you go up to someone and be like, oh yeah, man. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'll pray for you, man. I'll pray for you. And then you forget, like you forget five minutes later that you said that. Um, like I don't follow through with that sometimes, right? So Paul, when he says this verse, He's not just shooting, shooting at them like, a, I'll pray for you guys sort of thing, just to be nice. Uh, but he means it. Like, he actually prays for them hardcore, like, always in his prayers. He's fervently, without ceasing, um, praying for them, right? Um, and so, kind of to go off of what we were talking about in the last verse, is do you pray? 
right? Like Paul says, without ceasing, I'm mentioning you always in my prayers. Um, do you pray? Like, let's start with that, because I could, we could start with, do you guys pray? Do you pray like this? Pray like that? But let's start at the bottom. Do you even pray? How often do you pray? You know, do you seek God without ceasing? Um, and I, I would encourage you, like we have a God who hears, and I go through struggles. I go through hurt. You guys go through hurt. I sin against this God. You guys sin against this God every single day. We need to be praying, like not to be forgiven as if like every time we mess up, we need to pray and be like, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. And then like we go to hell if we don't. Um, but we pray out of a place of freedom, right? We don't pray to gain freedom, but we pray from freedom, right? We, we, we're just thankful to God for bringing us freedom. We say, God, I want to know you more. Like I'm telling you, you, you won't ever be greater than your prayer life. Your spiritual life won't be greater than your prayer life. Like it's, it's the core of the Christian life. Um, so, next verse. I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So Paul wants to see these Romans. He really wants to see them. And he wants to in be encouraged by them and encourage them. This is super important. Um, what I want to talk about with this verse. I think it's it's crucial for college students um, who are vaguely interested in Christianity. Um, the truth is, is that we need Christian fellowship. Like as Christians, as people who say we believe in God or we really do believe in God, we desperately, desperately need other Christians around us. Like Paul said, even Paul, like this is the dude who's writing like a huge amount of the Bible, right? This is this is a guy who's planting churches all over the place. He's healing people. Like God is working through him. It's insane. And yet he says he wants to be encouraged by them, right? He wants to be encouraged by these Roman Christians, right? Which is crazy. It just shows like even Paul, even the guy who's in the top of the line, like he needs encouragement from other Christians around him. So you do too you know like no one is good enough on their own like you can't lone wolf this thing you can't just be like, oh, you know it's just me and my bible man i got this like me and god we're cool you know i don't need to go to church whatever paul knew he needed it you know and paul's i'll say paul's a lot more more spiritual than me like he, he was better than me i don't know but not that it's about that it's about jesus being better but either way he knew he needed it um, and you need it too. I think um, something that you should consider is how can I be more plugged into a church? Like how, how can I get to know people more at a church? Am I like really investing myself into a good, solid church in this Utica area? Whether you live here or whether you're uh, leaving at the end of the, the school year, whatever, like we week by week, day by day, we need people in our lives who are Christians, who are going to be able to call us, be like, hey, dude, how's it going? Um, you know, I just want to encourage you, man. You're doing awesome. Uh, God is good. Just sharing scripture with us. Um, and so we need that. Like, God designed us to need each other. One of my goals is getting all of y'all to church. 
that's one of my goals um, because I know I know this truth is that you can't do the Christian life on your own I want you guys to be plugged into a church uh, and I want you to be serving I want you to have leaders in your life uh, and it's a huge thing you can't do it on your own um, and so one of the things that the enemy likes to do is just isolate people right the devil like he loves to keep you isolated not having people in your life who are Christians solid Christians to encourage you um, and by isolating you it can just really tear you down and lead you to do dumb stuff I know that out of experience um, and so yeah like people think of church a lot of times like a spectator sport like the NFL you just turn on your TV and watch it and you don't do anything you just sit on your couch you just turn a baseball game on and you watch or a buffet you just go to the buffet and you're like uh, let's see I like that mm, that's gross uh, mm, that looks good and you kind of pick and choose what you want uh, but that's not what the church is the church is a place where it's a it's a group of people it's not like one guy speaking and everyone just sitting on their butts doing nothing but it, it's a group of people who encourage each other who have different gifts and talents and abilities that they um, all put on the table for the moving of the church um, and if you're a Christian God has given you gifts he's given you talents and abilities that he wants you to use in a church right and so the church is the best place for those gifts to be used it's not just a place to receive it is to receive you hear the preaching you get to worship um, and that's receiving good stuff but God commands us God commands you to take your gifts that you have and use them in the church for the church to serve the church in some way with whatever time that you might have right or you may even have to make time to do that because god commands it and it's healthy for our spiritual lives so encouragement like if you're listening and you think man i really i could be doing more for the church or i don't even have a church like i'd encourage you find a church talk to me if you need help um, find a good church in the area um, and just apply yourself to it. You're busy with schoolwork. You've maybe got a job lined up. That's going to take your time. But never push church to the side. Never push fellowship with other Christians to the side because you're doing too much. Um, like that that's always has to be a priority on top of everything. So, all right, moving right along here. Next verse. He says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So, uh, what he's saying there is that he's not going to be starting a movement of Christianity in Rome, but he wants to be a part of what's already happening in Rome, right? So he's not going to, it's nothing new. Christianity isn't new in Rome. But he's, he's writing this to people who've already been there, who've already been Christians in this city. And remember that Christianity is spreading from Israel, from the, the area that's Israel. It's been spreading from there. And so it's reached Rome at this point. And Paul's writing to the people it's already reached. Um, but he just wants to help, right? He wants, he wants to help. He wants to go there and preach um, and encourage people who are already there. Um, 
And then in the next verse, he explains why he wants to go to Rome to begin with uh, and why he wants to help, right? Why he wants to um, reap some harvest in there is what he says, which means basically like someone else planted, someone else already put the seeds down, but he's going to get the harvest, reap the harvest, right? So the next verse explains why he cares so much to go to Rome. It says this, <clears throat> I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians both to the wise and to the foolish so he said I'm under obligation he felt compelled to the Greeks to the barbarians to the wise and to the foolish right he felt um, pushed compelled to preach the good news of Jesus to these people um, so there's some contrasts here right some um, different types of people groups here. So it says Greeks, barbarians, wise and foolish. Um, so the Greeks in in this context, it didn't it doesn't just mean like everyone from the country of Greece or the Greek Empire, um, but it basically means anyone instructed in Greek culture, um, wisdom, philosophy, because that's what they were all about. Um, basically like the uh, the cultured, people of the group these are the people who uh drink their drinks with their pinky out right they're uh, fancy they're wise they're always talking philosophy um so he said i'm obligated to preach the gospel to these greek cultured people these philosophers these wise dudes and he also says to the barbarians right and so when we think of barbarians we think like a caveman type of person um Basically, what it means is people not well-trained in that Greek culture. Um, the origin of that word, barbarian, basically, um, the Greeks came up with it. it, it to, the, to the Greeks, people who spoke other languages um, rather than their own and who weren't very cultured, when these other people were talking, to the Greeks, it sounded like they were saying bar, 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 bar. Uh, don't ask me why, because... Clearly, there's more words in other languages than bar, 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 bar. Um, but I guess the Greeks, in all their wisdom and philosophy, weren't too wise on this. Um, but they named them barbarians, nevertheless. So it was basically a derogatory term, like you just, like a baby, like blah, like whining, ba, 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 sort of thing. Or like a sheep, apparently, I don't know. But basically, Paul here is saying, um, that the gospel of Jesus is is for the well-cultured, the fancy, the wise, the intellectuals, the scientists, the philosophers, and it's for the poor, the impoverished, the broken, the awkward, the foolish, the uneducated, the unemployed, the hopeless, the needy. Um, Christianity is for every single person in the world. If you're a person... Christianity is for you. And it's not just a, like an extra add-on. Like, dude, bro, like, you got to just get this cool addition to your spiritual life, man. There's this guy named Jesus. He'll push you up in the ranks of your spiritual life, dude. No, it's like what Christianity says is it's it's Jesus or bust. Like, it's if, if you have Jesus, you have everything. But if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. And that's what it's saying. It's saying to the to the scientists, to the to the wise, 
to the Aristotle of the culture and to the, the fool, the impoverished, the, the hopeless. Um, it's saying you need Jesus to every one of them, right? So every single person in this culture needs Jesus, whether they're the poor guy in downtown Utica or they're the mayor of Utica um, or they're one of the poorest people in the world or they're a brilliant scientist um, like Stephen Hawking uh, or whoever. Like they need Jesus, every single one of them, right? It's not just an option. It's not just like, oh, Christianity works for you, right? Like I, I do my thing. I, um, I'm an atheist or I'm Buddhist. Like, I, yeah, I prefer Hinduism or Islam. Um, and then, yeah, I, I choose Christianity. That's my thing. It's like, no, Jesus's message was none of those are the truth to put it bluntly, right? Jesus wasn't worried about offending people. He said, none of those are the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, right? He, he's excluding every other option, and he's saying, I am the only way, right? When he says, follow me, he's talking to you, right? He's not talking to the person next to you. He's not talking just to your roommate, or to your parents, to your grandparents, to your professor or your friend. He's calling you. He's calling each individual person to stop living for themselves, to stop living for Allah or Buddha um, or all sorts of Hindu gods, Krishna, or themselves or nothingness or purposelessness and start living for him. So that's an extreme message, but it's the truth. And once we do start living for him, like he says, when you lose your life, when you lay down your life, you'll find it. So when you start living for Jesus, you'll find it, right? And so Paul, the reason that he feels obligated to everyone, to the Greeks, barbarians, wise, and foolish, which makes him eager to preach the gospel, is because he knows that this message is not um, for a particular group of people. It is for every last person, right? So, that was good timing. My gosh, good stuff. 34 minutes. I'm proud of myself. If, if you can, just give me a round of applause right now, even though I can't hear you. That was kind of selfish. Whatever. Here we go. So, in closing, I need to take a drink of water. Hello. That was, whew. Mm, okay. In closing. So, what we talked about is, like, what I, and impor, two important things I want you to remember. Practical atheism, right? That's living like God is not real. These Romans lived like God is real because they knew he was. They knew that he's real. Um, do you live like God's real? Do you pray like he's actually real, like he actually hears? Do you read your Bible? Do you trust in him like he's real? And then second huge thing um, is that Christianity is for everyone. And specifically, it's for you. Like Jesus specifically speaks right to you when he says follow me right it's it's not just for whoever chooses it or whoever uh, feels like they need it at the time right it, it's it's not a crutch right it's actually like life support you know people say oh christianity is just a crutch and it's not true because i'm not just limping but i literally have no hope i'm like dead on the ground without jesus christ and so it's, it's resurrection power that brings us to life, spiritually um, and physically, right? So, 
That is Romans chapter 1, verse 8 through 15. Very uh, brief version of it, brief discussion about it, because I wouldn't want to post a hour and a half long podcast. I think you'd look at it and be like, looks like I'm just going to have to text him that I listened to it, but I'm not listening to it. So I made it nice and semi-short for you guys so you can enjoy it. But I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hit stop on this podcast, and we'll be done. God, I pray for all of us. Um, I need help in this too, to live like you're real, um, to pray to you as if you're real, to pray to you as if you hear. Um, God, to just to know you're there, to live like you're there, Lord. Uh, I, I pray that you would give everyone listening, including myself, a boldness for you, a passion for you, uh, a fire in our hearts to know you more, God. Um, and, and I pray that we would we would not um, keep this message of Christianity to, Christianity to ourselves, God, um, but we would feel under obligation, like Paul, to the wise and to the foolish and to every ethnicity and every race, whoever it is, Lord, to share the hope of the gospel, um, the only hope for any human in all the world of salvation, of hope to be with you forever, of hope after death. Um, Lord, I thank you. I pray you would give us that boldness, Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen.